0: Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So I'm going to talk to you today about this uh, idea of revival in the Reformation. So as we talk about that, why don't we pray and ask the Lord to shift something deep within us as we hear the words so that tomorrow we can live differently based on what we're about to hear today. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, C3 New Hope uh, here in Mount ha- Mount Annan and around the locations. Lord, today I thank you, Lord, that we are here not by chance, we're not by here by routine, but we are here for something fresh, we are here for something now. Uh, we live not on bread alone, but from every word that comes from your mouth. And so Lord, I pray today that as I share what I can, that you would do what only you can and speak to every individual heart. Lord, the word that you have for them here in this moment. Lord, we honour you, we worship you and we say, Lord, we need you. Uh, Show us what we need to see today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I believe, as I just hinted at, that we are living in some of the most profound times on planet earth. Not just generally, but particularly uh, regarding following Jesus and being one of God's people on the earth. These are, I believe, the days that we have being praying for. That these are the days of greatest opportunity to see the kingdom of God advancing on the earth. Uh, we've heard this scripture a lot, Isaiah 43 verses 18 to 19. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do now. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, we have, God's always doing new things. Uh, he's doing old things that are new. He's doing new things. But I believe this post COVID era uh, of who the church is and who the church is becoming and what the church is walking into is something that God is breathing fresh life in. It's not that He's telling us to do things He has never told us to do before, but He has given us the full permission and the full responsibility that we cannot play church anymore. That it's not time to just sit in church and tick religious boxes. It is time to be the church that He has always called us to be. And so in that way, we are living in a time where God is doing new things. And when I look at Scripture, I can notice a pattern for how God does new things. And this is it. First, God forms, and then God fills. If you think about the Valley of Dry Bones, uh, we saw God forming bones together, muscles, skin, flesh. But at that point... The bodies were still nothing more than you might see in a healthy Harold, you know, display. Does anyone remember healthy Harold? I'm 40, okay, so I remember that. Uh, Some skeleton, a corpse. Uh, But God formed something and then God breathed life. He filled it. Think about the first humans. It says that God formed man from the dust of the earth, but it still didn't, he still didn't have breath. But then God breathed the breath of life and man became a living person. Think about the temple in 2 Chronicles 5. They built the temple, brought the treasures into the temple. It was looking beautiful, but there was still no God. And so when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back in, it says that uh, the a cloud filled the temple and the Spirit of God filled the temple. God formed, God filled. God says, don't put... New wine into old wineskins, saying so first form the new wine skin and then fill it with new wine. The early church, God formed them; He brought them together in one place. They were together; they were praying. And as God formed them and built them as living stones together, it says God filled the house where they were sitting. So God forms things and God fills things. And I believe in the time in which we're living in, God is both reforming the church and reviving the church. That God is reforming us, reformation, and that God is refilling us, revival. Couple of differences between reformation and revival. Here's a couple of quotes for you to help us understand the difference a little more. Ellen White, the the co-founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, says this, Revival and Reformation are two different things. Revival signifies a renewal of spiritual life, a quickening of the powers of mind and heart, a resurrection from spiritual death. Reformation signifies a reorganization, a change in ideas and theories, habits and practices. Or here's another one, a very basic understanding of the term revival gives the idea that something is dead, therefore needs to be revived, and Reformation conjures up the image that something went bad and needs to be fixed, improved, or put together. The simplest way I think of these two things is that Reformation has to do with the Great Commission And revival has to do with the great commandment. So when we, and I believe the church is being reformed as we speak uh, in order for us to fulfil the commission He's given us. If we think of Matthew 28, the the, the mission statement of every church on the planet, we all like to say the same things in sexier ways. But at the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you to. And so right now, and I love it that your pastors are always asking questions about how to do church and they're not just going, okay, this is how church is done, let's hit repeat for the next 30 years. They're asking questions. How do we be the church? How do we reorganise? How do we uh, change our habits and practices in order to be the church that most helpfully reflects the church that God has called us to be? That's reformation. And that is for the purpose of how do we make disciples in the times in which we are living in? Revival, on the other hand, is about the great commandment. Love, love. The Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. What is revival if it is not the church loving God like that? And so um, today I want to focus on the revival part. I want to talk about revival. And particularly I want to talk about this idea of a new revival. Uh, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think about revival. Um, I know I grew up in a time of revival and I, this church was experiencing the same thing when I came to Christ 23 years ago, it was just a time of revival. Uh, but I want to talk about this, a perpetual personal revival. I, I feel like I've been living in revival for 23 years. Now, it's not to gloat. Uh, It's to say this. Sometimes that's looked like I've felt really strong, filled with power and taking over the world. At other times, it's looked like sitting on my bed experiencing an anxiety disorder, not knowing which way is up or down. But I believe I've been in revival each of those times and throughout that because it's not about circumstances. It's not about... Your feeling it 's not about how good you're doing it's about how much we are calling on God and living dependent on him and loving him in every season so what do I mean by a perpetual personal revival well there's a, might be an image on the screen here of two different parts of Africa uh, hello to all my African friends here today uh, the the not, one of the most captivating Natural wonders of Africa is the Nile River, the longest river in the world, running south to north from around Uganda in Lake Victoria in Uganda, all the way up to the Mediterranean Sea in Egypt. <clears throat> it has had practical uses uh, for millennia for the inhabitants of the lands through which it runs and carries even more significance beyond the practical uses. One of the greatest, uh, the most greatly contested, um, I guess, Id- or, or truths is the source of the Nile. Where does the Nile start? And there's been different views, and today it remains a little bit mysterious in that there's probably not just one place that you can say that's where it starts, but there's multiple places. But two of the, the most recognised and significant sources of the Nile River uh, these two places. The first one is the Rewinzori Mountains, the mountains of the moon on the border of Uganda and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And the other one is in Lake Victoria in Uganda. Now, these two are very different sources for the Nile. The Rowanzori Mountains that you can see, the way it contributes to the Nile River is that it relies on rainfall from heaven and it hits the mountains and uses a network of rivers that end up connecting to and contributing to the Nile River. But over here is Lake Victoria and it's very different. One of the major tourist attractions, if you go to a place called Ginger in Uganda, you can get a little boat ride out and they take you to a place where there are little bubbles coming up underneath the lake. And it is what they say that's the source of the Nile. Uh, underground springs that just pour up continually and start the Nile on its journey from Uganda to the Mediterranean. Now, when a lot of people hear the term revival, I think they tend to think of a Rwenzori mountain type situation. An outpouring from heaven that then filters down and is experienced on earth. Just after I shared this word with our church um, at the beginning of the year, the same week, uh, we started to hear news about the Asbury revival. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. And we heard about things such as Um, a lingering external awareness of the presence of God, Uh, deep repentance, uh, long ongoing meetings. Uh, Africans in my midst will know about long revival meetings. Uh, They do that very well and very long. The stamina is just inspiring. And as I said, I grew up in a church environment like that of... an external experience and awareness of the power of God in our midst. And they are exciting times. They are at times tiring times, but they are genuinely beautiful and they are wonderful seasons that contribute in one dimension to the flow of God's river on the earth. One contribution. But I have a conviction that that the hour in which we are living in, that there is a new revival for the church to primarily pursue. The external outpouring is something that we can welcome, that we can enjoy when it happens, but it doesn't have to be something we depend on to live in revival. I believe that the new revival is an outflowing rather than an outpouring. It's something that starts more like The Lake Victoria springs from deep within the Christian heart and flows out rather than waiting for God to pour out. If you remember this scripture in John chapter 7, verse 38 to 39, the one who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture said, from his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified so in the old testament because there was no experience of the holy spirit in god's people the goal was to get god to fall upon them it was to say well would god land on a particular person a particular place a particular thing for a short term period of time to accomplish a purpose and so the goal was to get God down. Um, but this scripture here, like others, talk about the New Testament promise where God, where the goal isn't to get God down, but that God is already down and the goal is to get God out. So we, that's where we get scriptures like um, Ezekiel 36 that says, um, in, in, in those days I'll create. Give you a new, create a new heart in you and I'll put my spirit in you. Uh, Joel 2, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so right now, we are living in the time where God has already come down. God is here. God is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The greatest challenge the church has today is not to get God to come down, it's to let God out. So let God out. Can you imagine a church that didn't need an external revival because it was already awake and didn't need waking up. A lot of people are talking about the need for a move of God and that's fine, but what if we, what we needed more was a move of the church than a move of God? Why? God's always moving. God never stops. He was hovering over the waters at creation and He's still in us and around us and for us and wants to move through us today. The problem is not God's movement. The problem is the church's movement. And I believe we're living in the time where the church needs to get moving. What if everything we need to live passionately, fervently and revived has already been given to us and is indeed already within us? All that's left is to find a way to activate that and to live that out. And that's what I want to spend the last part of our time talking about today. So I just want to talk about one, two, three or four things. We'll see what time we have. Uh, I didn't check the countdown. What am I looking at up here? Fifteen? Oh, no, it's all good. I won't. We can, we can make it succinct. <laughs> Trust me, ask Dan and Lockie. Don't say just go for it because <laughs> you could live to regret that. <laughs> yeah, it's not your church, okay? <clears throat> okay, a few things that we can do to live in perpetual personal revival, regardless of what the external spiritual climate is. The first thing is this, lead your emotions to a place of faith. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> As I said before, life can be a roller coaster. We live in turbulent times. There is just no way that we can, in these times, wait for perfect conditions in order to live in personal revival. Rather, we need to find a way to rise above the circumstances of this life and live wholeheartedly for God despite our circumstances. Now, emotions are a God-given gift. They are a beautiful part of the divine design called humanity. But what we do with them is very important. They shouldn't be tucked away in the boot or the trunk, nor should they be put in the driver's seat. Meaning we can't ignore them, but we can't let them dictate the way that we live. So we need to find a way to recognise, validate, and understand the very emotional experience that we have as humans, while at the same time finding a way to lead those emotions into a place of faith. Because faith is the determining factor that takes the dormant power of the Holy Spirit in you and turns it into a river of living water that flows through you. Faith. How do I use faith in my heart to activate that? It requires our emotions being put in their place in their rightful place. Take our, our, our singing in church on Sunday, just as a very small practical example of this. Now, I'm preaching about other churches because you guys don't need to hear this, but you'll be able to, you know, just picture another church down the road as I talk about this. <clears throat> Worship, I mean, how good's Zika? Zico. you know. And, and of course, everyone, all... Just beautiful, like wonderful, you know, uh, tool for us to be able to worship God through. Um, Worship should be a whole body, passionate demonstration to everyone in our midst that there is a God. You know, we can't sing, um, uh, what's what's the the words there, Zico? Like praise, uh, uh, how can I keep it inside? Uh, Oh, I won't be quiet. Our God is alive. How can I, you know, we just sing, I want to be quiet, our God is alive. how can I keep it inside? <laughs> it's like, well, you're doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> um, but singing on Sunday is only about one person. And do you want a spoiler alert? It's not you, <laughs> it's not me, <laughs> it's not the person next to you, it's about God. Are you ready for a a little bit of a confronting quote? Larry Sparks, editor of Destiny Image says, How was worship must be removed from our Christian vernacular. How was worship is a question only the object of our worship can answer. Our answer then to this question is revealing of what was really worshipped. Our experience has become the gauge. Thus revealing that if we, in fact, don't worship God, we worship our experience of worship. In essence, we worship ourselves. Idolatry is a sneaky thing. As I say, I'm talking about the church down the road, not you guys. So rather than being a powerful demonstration to the God of the universe, various things help us um, put our emotions in front of our declaration and our conviction that God is worthy to be worshipped. <clears throat> comforts and challenges both play an equal role in keeping the church quiet and contained. We come in with comforts that make us apathetic. They go, well, everything's pretty good. Uh, we put all our successes down to ourselves, and we see what the band can do for us. Uh, or... Things aren't good, our challenges, rather than being something that causes us to draw near to God and lift Him higher and to find a heavenly perspective on things, they cause us anxiety that we can't move past. And we're just here going, oh man, my problems are so big, couldn't possibly sing, a, sing this song, couldn't possibly get excited like Zico and the team, you know, about praising God and jumping around. Life's just too hard. So we've got to find a way rather than letting these things contain us and determine our response where somehow we, we walk in those doors and we say, all right, soul, or this is what David said in Psalm 57, verse 7 to 8. He said, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. So we've got to find some way in us to go, yeah, life's good or life's challenging or the, you know, the kids, your kids will always not sleep and not want to get ready on Sunday morning. It's just the 101 family church life. <laughs> Don't expect it to be different. We've got to rise above it somehow, preaching to myself. Come on, Garth, rise, awake, <laughs> awake my soul. Um, but we've got to find a way to go, I'm not going to come in and see what the band can do I'm not going to see if I like the songs. I'm not going to see if the mix is good. I'm not going to see if my favourite drummer's on. I'm going to say, God, this is your house. Lord, I'm going to worship you. And then we'll find that comforts, instead of being something that causes apathy, they cause us great thanksgiving and praise. Because God is the author of all these things. Our challenges, instead of being obstacles to us moving forward, become small little things in the the presence of a magnificent God. And so we have to realise, worship, for instance, is not something that we get a feeling from. It's something that we do regardless of what we're feeling. And if by some chance our feelings change on the other side fantastic, thank you, Jesus. But if they don't, that doesn't matter because the purpose isn't to get new feelings. The purpose is to worship Him. So one, one example, the, Monday morning, I mean, if, you, if we can't praise God with Zico and the team singing that fun song on Sunday morning, we're pretty stuffed Monday morning. Um, <laughs> it's going to be pretty hard then. So we've got to find these things uh, uh, in in every day of our life, an ability to rise above what we're feeling, fix our eyes on God and do what He has called us to do. So lead your emotions to a place of faith. Second one, much less controversial, much more practical. Look for resources that stir fire in your soul. Um, Scriptures. If, If reading the Bible through a year stirs fire in your soul, do it. If it doesn't, then don't feel like you have to. Sorry if that's contradictory to anything that anyone else has said. Um, Think of the disciples on the road to Emmaus and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked with him and he opened the Scriptures to us? We've got to search for Scriptures that make our hearts feel like they're burning. Um, Songs. I'm always on the lookout for songs, not just songs that sound good, but new songs that carry a prophetic edge for the times we're living in. Um, Thunder in the Desert by Chris Davenport and No Turning Back by Stephanie Gretzinger have been ones in my life this week. Things that, that, that lift me up, things that shift my perspective, songs that I can sing uh, that, that can lift my worship. People, I try and avoid people that put fire out on the inside of me and I spend time around people who put fire in me. I remember there was a time we, had to, we stopped hanging around a group of friends because all that would happen when we would go over for dinner is we would talk about surfing, and I don't surf. So that's a pretty boring conversation. I can handle it one week. I can handle it twice. But five months in, six months in, I'm like, this isn't doing any. I want to be around people who are talking about things that matter. I want to I be around kingdom conversations. I want to be around people that stir my heart Uh, And so that's why I eagerly search out. One of the people I talk to is Julius Rotlonyo from Watoto Church in Uganda because he's leading a much bigger work than I and he's thinking about a lot bigger things than I. And it stirs me. I talk to him, I go, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, People like Dan Warren, who are are just legendary men. I go, wow, I feel like, yeah, I'm on fire after hanging out with him. Um, I'm looking for books and articles and podcasts. I remember when I first got saved, for some reason, I got um, hooked on this idea of holiness. And I remember reading a book called, by J.C. Ryle called Holiness. And my pastor was like, what are you doing? That's not really your entry-level Christian thing. But he never told me not to. And later he said, I don't know why you're doing it, but it was putting fire in you. So I said, go for it. Whatever stirs fire on the inside of us. But these things don't land on our laps. We can go through the routine Monday morning as we always have. Like for me, those things, it's searching Amazon. It's searching uh, YouTube. It's searching Spotify. Anything new this week under the new, new Christian music uh, section. I'm looking for things. I'm going, God, how do I, what, what is that? I'm not using them as a crutch. I'm not depending on those things other than God, but I'm looking for fresh things that spark fire on the inside of me. Um, Two more to go and they're shorter than the first two. This one, this one might not be shorter, sorry. The last one will be shorter. Third, live with an eternal perspective. How's this passage in Hebrews 11 of the heroes of faith? Verses 13 to 16. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland, That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Our destination is the new heavens and the new earth, a new creation that God is preparing and that that we will live in with Him. And that is the thing that drives us. Compare those heroes of faith to uh, Demas uh, that Paul writes about in 2 Timothy 4.10 for Demas. Because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He loved this world. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought next of the, uh, most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So when we live not as if this life is the culmination of all things and what we build in this life is our highest uh, goal to attain. But when we build in this life for the one to come, it completely changes things. Uh, People who live for the next life live a public faith. I believe it's time for the church to live a public faith. For so long, uh, I would say over the past couple of decades, we have been shell-shocked by coming from a post-Christian era into an anti-Christian era. And we haven't, we've been surprised by it. Whoa, you mean I can't talk about that without getting persecuted? Um, And what happens when we perceive danger? Fight, flight, freeze, and even fawn. Have you heard of fawn? So, fawning is when we try and flatter the the danger opposing us, so it doesn't hurt us. And for so long, we've even tried to fawn with society, tried to, oh no, come on, we've got to love. In the name we say, we've got to love everyone. We've got to be, which is true. But I believe that a lot of Christians have used that to hide behind the fact that you will be persecuted, that you may be hated in this life. There's a passage in the Garth Ball translation says, don't be persecuted for being a jerk. That's my version, because that, that's silly. Sometimes we're just jerks, and, like, and and then people hate us, and we're like, oh, but Jesus said we're going to be hated. No, don't, don't be hated for being a jerk, but it's okay for, to be hated for standing and lovingly standing for what is true. So when we live for this world, we try and just fit in nicely, avoid conflict, slide under the radar, build our Australian dream, when actually God has taken it calling us to take a stand. When we live for the next life, you'll live as a missionary in every context you find yourself, in your workplace, in your family. Uh, You'll live for something bigger than yourself. You'll live for meaning, not just money. And here's a big one that I feel like I do want to talk about. You'll bring your family into the adventure called following Jesus. It's not my church, so I want to tread carefully. (laughs) But, you know, the word idolatry was mentioned before. Idolatry can be when we turn a good thing into the ultimate thing. And family is such a delight. It's a joy. My girls, I'd do anything for them. They are a delight. Um, But for some reason, we feel like we have to... uh, in our time, so many Christians are so busy building their families and their houses that they're not living for the call of God. And we, maybe we want to protect them from some things or whatever it might look like, but I believe that now is the time to raise our kids in the adventure called wholehearted discipleship to Jesus. Anything less inoculates gives them enough to not want the full deal, which is a very dangerous place to be. We need kids who get the full dose of Christianity, who will raise up in this generation to be the future church. You can trust your family, you can trust God, and you can entrust your family to God as you follow him. Don't hold back. They'll be all right. They need it. And lastly, we can uh, have the team I think uh, that would be great. This one, I've got one line, so let's see how much that lasts. Um, learn to create life-giving daily rhythms. So <clears throat> when, we, when we wait for the external Rowan Zori mountain outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, in the absence of a widespread ongoing move of God, Sunday becomes the only place that resembles that. And so when we, when we put all our hope and trust into Sunday, we come to Sunday beaten up, discouraged, looking for one last little bit of strength. So I go, worship team, please provide us something. Dan, make this a good message. I need something. I need to be revived. And so we get a touch on Sunday and then we walk away hoping it lasts till the next Sunday, but really it only lasts till about Tuesday. And then Wednesday is hard and Thursday is terrible and Friday, well, and then we come back in next Sunday, beat up, ready for another injection of faith. Well, What if Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we had rhythms of drawing near to God? Whereas Sunday we walk in with our best energy, and it's a culmination, celebration of all that God's done, not a resurrection service. This makes Sunday a celebration service, not a resurrection service. Daily rhythms. So what I want to pray for right now, I don't really know. I'm going to ask Ali because she's got heaps of cool stuff to pray. But most of what I'm asking you to do comes down to tomorrow morning. I'm not going to pray for some incredible impartation of God to revive you. I'm going to say, what do you need to change to live differently? What do you need to do to live in a place of perpetual personal revival? To rise above all your circumstances, finances, kids, work, mental health issues, illnesses, you name it, The, the whole world we're living in right now, there's unlimited things that you could be carrying in here right now. How do we, as God's people, live in victory, not denying those things, but bringing them into and at the foot of the cross to Jesus and living in the power of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives? Why don't we stand up? I'll pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.